Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Winnie Ao. Winnie has worked with clients such as Amazon, Airbnb, Coca-Cola, and GQ Magazine, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Winnie about her love of photographing dogs, how she went from assisting in digital teching to breaking off and starting her own career, and I also speak to her about her approach to marketing. Winnie Ao has accomplished a lot during her photographic career, so I was excited to get a chance to speak with her. So I hope you enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. All right. Well, uh, Winnie Ao, uh, welcome to the podcast. Excited to talk to you. Um, crazy times we're living in the last few months. Um, I was looking at your work. I know when we were talking yesterday, I think you had a shoot, a little was editorial shoot yesterday. Yeah. How'd that go? I know you've been kind of looking on your website. You kind of put together a whole little like kind of template thing of like shooting in your home, like what you can do. Uh, Have you been kind of working at all during this kind of whole pandemic or is it starting to pick up for you or how's it been? So it's been a mix, which I think is probably what's going on with everyone. Um, Initially, you know, probably similar to everyone in March, like I had all these shoots booked out. We were literally about to like do this big campaign and I was picking up equipment for it when I think it was like 7 PM the day before we were supposed to shoot. Yep. And then it was like, I was talking to my agent and then we hung up the call and then she called back like five minutes later and was like, shoots canceled. Oh, man. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I think that happened to everyone I know, but it was the fastest equipment pickup I've ever had because I literally drove five minutes yeah, and yeah. then dropped it off. Yeah. Um, so I think there was that initial shock that um, everyone went through and I think um, was kind of just like, what in the world's going on? Mm-hmm. And then I spent some time getting my house together with the understanding like, oh, I can shoot stuff in my house. Like, let me take advantage of this. So spent a little time like (laughs) reorganizing and styling because to be honest, uh, the house was a mess. I'm usually on location shoots all the time. So I'll just run from thing to thing. Yeah. And there's often not time to do all the things that you're like, yeah, I'd love to do that. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's been good because I've done a few of these at-home shoots. The one I did yesterday was for the New York Times. So I was uh, shooting some food in my kitchen. And it's fun. It's challenging to work by yourself, yeah. I would say. Yeah, yeah. I'm used to working with like small crews. But I think when it comes to food, you know, all of a sudden you're cooking everything you're styling it, you're shooting and lighting it. So I would say yeah, that like styling is like a real skill, like people that are really good at that. It's like its own thing, pretty much. I mean, obviously, when you first start out, you're not working with stylists when yeah. you're first starting. So is that kind of like, like you said, you're just trying to make it work in these weird circumstances, pretty much, right? Yeah. So I think um, I'm <laughs> upping my styling game, because that's not something I've, you know, really been in charge of fully like I always just yeah you know work with great people and help them yeah Um, I think it was smart you kind of put that like treatment thing together like what you could offer when you're shooting at home and then once you kind of put that together did you kind of just send it off to the clients you kind of regularly work with or how did you kind of 
and what was kind of the response when you kind of put that together, I guess? Yeah, so I put on my website, I'm actually also working with the um, group called, it's like a collective called Create in Place. Okay. So that is part of which agency? Um, Heather Elder represents. Oh, yeah, I think I saw that, yeah. So she kind of initiated that and put that together um, as a way to help photographers, you know, during this COVID time. Mm-hmm. And so they've been kind of blasting everyone with it too. And then I've been sending it out in email newsletters as well. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah. Yeah, no, it's smart. It's like do whatever you can do in these times because it's like, yeah, everyone I talk to, it seems like now it's starting to, there's some productions happening. Like I know I'm working on my first like little like commercial job tomorrow where it's actually like a crew. But that's like the first thing. And it's just been interesting because no one, even the client, everyone's just trying to figure out like, what do we need to do to make it safe? Like, what do we got to do for the next thing? But do you, are you feeling like, are things kind of starting to, are you getting more emails for work or is it still kind of this pretty slow or out, out in New York for you? I think things have started, like basically photo studios opened up like a week or a week and a half ago. Yep. So I'm starting to get either bids for jobs that are actually not in my house. Okay. And then on my own, I've done like, I did an editorial shoot that was outside of my house um, in a location and just with one other person. Okay. And that felt safe. All right, cool. We, you know, it, we stayed six feet apart, more than six feet apart. I did a lot of like capturing kind of from my computer to okay. stay like even further away. Yep. Um, and I think that was okay. But I think, you know, the tricky thing right now is just every scenario is different. So you kind of have to analyze like what's going on, what are the current regulations, like what can we produce? Where can we produce? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think a lot of it is going to be local for a while. I don't see like travel shoots being quite so easy. Yeah. It's too, Um, yeah. It's too much of a risk. I think still, because people are trying to figure it out and like you look around the country and the numbers kind of going up in certain parts of the country. So it's like, yeah, I would agree. I think probably agencies and productions are going to go local for the time being. It seems like. Yeah. Um, but I guess to go back, I was kind of curious, like, where you grew up and how you kind of got into photography originally. So I grew up in a town called Rockford, Illinois, mm-hmm. where um, most people aren't from, I guess. I mean, everyone I grew up who's from that town is from there, but there's about 150,000 people there. It's um, often, like, was voted the worst place to live in America, or like top 50 worst places to live um, only because we have had a lot of poverty. Um, it was kind of one of those industrial towns in the Midwest that lost its industry and never really regained a economy. So I basically grew up <laughs> to make a long story short, like in a very small town outside of there that was basically like farmers, cornfields, and me and my family were like the only Chinese or Asian people they'd ever seen. Yeah. And then we kind of moved into Rockford, the city, which was a little more diverse, um, but 
very suburban and very American, I would say. Yeah. The kind of place where most people don't leave. Um, most people from my high school, like, went to school in state or in the Midwest. So very few people kind of leave, I guess. Um, were you, like, itching to get out, like, as soon as you get, got out of school? Were you like, I'm moving out of here. I'm going to New York City. Was that kind of always the goal for you? I was itching to go to a city. I went to school at uh, Boston University. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of silly because I think I was trying to get as far away sort of from my hometown as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though I like, I really appreciate my friends from that time. And it's not like I hate it. We were just like bored teenagers. (laughs) Nothing to do except go to Target. And I think in a sense that I feel like it fueled my creativity to be somewhere where there was no distractions. Yeah. So I think, um, I always grew up thinking like, I'll never live in New York. And I think that was a feeling a lot of people in town had, like we would never be in a big city. But um, I thought Boston was like a nice in between. Like I wasn't too intimidated by it. It seemed smallish but like yeah you can get from downtown to the other side in like 10 minutes it's like pretty uh easy to navigate pretty much yeah it was appealing and there was basically like a poster of people on a crew boat in my like college like career office at my school and I was like that looks nice and so I was like I'll fly there and I remember when I visited colleges I was in Boston and I was like they've got an ice skating rink in the middle of the city. And I'm like, it's perfect. Like my decisions <laughs> as a teenager were, were not like normal <laughs> ways you decide, like, how should I choose a career? Like what, sh- what school should I go to? I was like, ice skating rink. Great. Yeah. Moving there. Hey, you had, like, you had an eye, an eye for like aesthetics and like a location from the get go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Because when, when did you start taking pictures? Was that something you were doing like in high school or did that something come to you like kind of later in life or when did that kind of start for you? I was a high school yearbook photographer. Okay. So my first training on an SLR was then and it was all on film. So it's actually pretty great because they sent us all on a one-week camp at Indiana University to learn how to use film and like how to develop all that darkroom stuff. So I learned that way. Then I photographed a lot of like football games and cheerleading squads and like all the very like American stuff. And I think it was good for me because I was kind of nerdy in high school. Like, I don't know. I was into like learning and then I learned that that makes you really unpopular. Hey, but okay. once you grow up, man, that's when you, it, it, it works out for you. You know, <laughs> Knowledge is power. That's what they say. I, but it, it's the unfortunate part about our school system. It's like you're not really encouraged to sometimes, you know, be curious. So Definitely. I think being in photography helped me and I was able to explore like I don't think I would have gone to football games and basketball games if I didn't have to photograph them. Mm-hmm. And I think it made me appreciate sports more. It's not something I shoot now, but like it made me appreciate, 
I guess not just see people as like they're a jock they're too cool like whatever like I could see the hard work people are putting in to all these different sports so that was good and I think I had to make relationships with the people I was photographing so it was also a chance for me to like be social like practice my social skills yeah yeah, that's, I think that's the best thing about photography. I think I know a lot of photographers are kind of like introverted people, but like, at least I was like that too in high school where it like forced me to like interact with people, like you said, like maybe you wouldn't normally go to a football game. And that's kind of the cool thing about photography. And I imagine still like in your career, I know you shoot like food and all these different things, but every once in a while, you're going to get thrown a curveball and have to photograph something that you never thought you're going to photograph probably, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's cool. So when did you start thinking like photography could like be a career for you? Like were you even thinking of that like in college? Was it was that where you were kind of studying or when did that kind of come? So what did I do? I studied communications and advertising at BU. Yeah. And so I thought I wanted to be like an art director in advertising. And again, I chose advertising because I really liked infomercials <laughs> as a teenager. <laughs> when he's out here, tr- when he's out here trying to sell like, uh, yeah, like little like uh, scrub daddies or something. <laughs> I was like obsessed with them, so I was like, my dream job is obviously to create infomercials. <laughs> so again, I was like, I don't know if your like seventeen-year-old self should really make your life decisions. Seriously. <laughs> I'm I'm 35 and I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're really odd decisions, but whatever. Yeah. Um, so I took photography class. Like the good thing about the program at BU was I had a ton of electives. Mm-hmm. So I did photojournalism just for fun. Yeah. Somehow I had all these like holes in my schedule and I was like, I'll just take photo. So one of my professors there... Um, was a commercial photographer and I think his name is Peter Smith. Okay. And he at some point was like, you're pretty good at this. And like, you should consider it as a career. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know it was really an option at the time. So I think that was actually really helpful. Like all these things that teachers do, they seem maybe small to them, but it is actually really eye opening to some has no idea yeah so that kind of motivated me to get an internship and I ended up interning with Joshua Delsmer who I think um he was based in Boston at the time he's in New York now yeah um and that internship I don't know it really inspired me because we basically had fun every time I was there what kind of stuff was it, what kind of stuff were you guys working on when you were interning for him um Josh was shooting a little bit of everything like some ad stuff he would do like this like golf catalog um so some fashion stuff I think you probably you know the Boston market so it was a little bit of different categories all the time a lot, a lot of shoe companies uh yeah Titleist is out here we got yeah, it's weird. It's a weird place, Boston. You got, yeah, Reebok. You got Converse. You got like Rockport, Puma. Yeah. I don't know why all the shoe companies are here, but for some reason they are. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> so we definitely did some shoe stuff, but it was a mix of studio and location, and it was all filmed back then. So I learned how to like 
load medium format cameras and use strobe lighting. Like all the stuff I learned in college was really more about storytelling. Mm -hmm. It wasn't super technical. And so working with Josh was great because I really got that technical background that, you know, isn't that easy to, I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's like before YouTube and stuff. Like, so you just had to like really do the work. I remember I grew up shooting film. I was like, there was no YouTube or anything like that. So I was just like burning rolls of film, trying to figure it out. It's way different now. Uh, but that's cool how you say it. Like you're kind of doing the photojournalism and I can kind of like still kind of see an aspect that of, aspect of that in your work. Like, like, especially when you're photographing like people in their homes and the kind of their spaces, obviously it looks like a little more stylized and stuff, but do you feel like that kind of photojournalism background kind of still kind of informs your work at all or? Yeah, I mean, I started out doing street photography, I think because that's part of photojournalism and because it's free. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I think what was good about that was, yeah, using your eye to capture something that's in front of you. Yeah. And I think it was only later in my career that I'd learned how to like, do the reverse of that which is like make something appear in front of you mm -hmm. that looks good yeah. essentially yeah i mean that's like the name of the game with advertising it's like creating these scenarios that look real but they're all fabricated with like models and locations and props and whatnot right yeah yeah so i think um yeah it's great training to really understand how to tell a story and i think a lot of my work in people's homes and spaces is about storytelling in more images than just one even though i think one really powerful image is really important yeah I think the way that we consume media now is so much more driven by multiple images that just the way i guess i was brought up and like when i my career started kind of informed that style yeah no it's interesting and like i guess like once you kind of got out of college what was kind of your next move like uh, do you kind of already have like a goal in mind? Like, cause like looking at your work, it seems like you have a real passion for obviously food photography, but not even just the food aspect of it, but just kind of like the culture behind it, like the, the, the chefs, the restaurants, all the little details. Um, what, what was kind of your next step after college, I guess? So after college, I continued assisting and studio managing for a few photographers in Boston. I think at that point, I actually wanted to do food photography, but more on the still life side. And I think as I learned over the years, I the longer I did it, the more I was like, oh, I'm actually interested in people. Yeah. So I feel like my career has kind of gone into many circles because I started out wanting to just shoot food. Then I realized I wanted to shoot people. <laughs> Then I realized I could kind of mix them all. And now I think I have like a nice balance of all the things I like to do. Yeah. And I was also shooting dogs at that point or starting to. So a lot of my personal work has all been about animals and specifically dogs for the past, I don't know, 10 years or more yeah. maybe. So Let's see. I got to backtrack to where I was. No, it's, all right. I it's, it's kind of interesting because like you kind of mentioned it, like the, the thing I was kind of impressed about your work, 
which I think is like hard to do. Like a lot of people just do like one little like niche thing, like they only shoot food, but you manage to like somehow do like, like, like you'll do like food, like tabletop, not tabletop, but like the detail of the actual food, but then you'll shoot the people, but it all looks like consistent. Was that like a hard thing to do to kind of like blend all those things? Like you'll shoot like interior spaces, portraits, the food, um, cause that's like one thing I think I struggle with early on is like kind of finding your voice as a photographer and then kind of editing, editing your, editing your work, like on your website or portfolio so that people can like digest it and make sense of it, you know? So, yes, I think that was always a challenge. And I think, especially in the beginning of your career, I guess everyone has a different way they do stuff, but I always tell younger photographers to, just kind of try everything because I guess that's sort of what worked for me. I basically tried out tons of different things. I said yes to any different job, like whatever category it was. Yeah. And the more, you know, the more you shoot, the more you know and the more you can learn. Mm-hmm. So I, through a lot of trial and error, I kind of figured out like, okay, this is working and this isn't. And like, I like this and I don't like this. And I think the longer I took pictures, the more I could isolate what was caught, like what makes a picture good or bad. Yeah. Like what was a success or a failure on that shoot. And I think understanding and being able to isolate those like pieces is very helpful for me in terms of growing and like knowing how to manage myself my business my work like all that stuff Mm. no it's interesting yeah it's like a it's like a real important aspect of like uh like being a commercial photographer even whatever photographer in general is just like being able to edit your work and like make sense of it like how do you kind of like approach it approach like the editing aspect of like i guess your website is it something you're constantly kind of moving and kind of changing from like year to year month to month or do you have a kind of way you go about it or kind of approach I'm trying to figure it out myself because you have so much stuff and it's just trying to figure out how to like edit it down like I said to like make sense of it I think it's kind of a constant like I'm one of those people that I get super focused on a task Mm -hmm. for a few hours at a time or like a day a week and then I'll like forget about it and get distracted by something else so I tend to have like 10 to 20 different things I'm doing all at the same time and then often the website and some kind of edit is mixed in in there and I'll like look at a page one day and be like oh my god (laughs) this isn't how I want it like let's work (laughs) on this yeah I'll just kind of go into a hole Mm. no it's no it's interesting and like, like you're saying, you're kind of, you're assisting and things like that. Like, how do you, so I think that's one thing people are younger photographers kind of struggle with. Like, how do you kind of make that break to where you kind of broke off on your own and kind of shooting full time? Was it this kind of a gradual thing? Like you're kind of assisting and then kind of shooting as on your own too, or how do you kind of make that transition? I think that was something that I did struggle with and I think um, I did it in a very systematic way. Mm -hmm. Everyone I think has their own path and there's no right or wrong way. But for me, I had basically been kind of assisting digital teching, studio managing for almost 10 years. Okay. And I was about to turn 
30 and I basically told myself, okay, if by the time we're 30, you're not shooting, then like you need to do something. All right, all right. <laughs> it was sort of a wake up call for me mentally because I think at the time I was teching in New York city, working with lots of great photographers, making decent money. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I fell into the trap that a lot of assistants I know fall into, which was as comfortable enough, yep. you know, making enough of a living shooting on the side sometimes, but not ever like taking the big leap that you really need to do to switch. So I knew that if I kind of continued as I was doing, like just kind of half working, like half working on my side projects, that it just wouldn't happen. Yeah. So I decided to fire myself <laughs> from hacking. Yeah. I was like, how do I do this? Because like nobody ever fires you when you're a freelancer. No. Like, yeah. They just don't call you again. Yep. So I mentally fired myself. I told all my clients, like, I'm not going to take any jobs anymore. And I'm, you know, going to work on my book. And I'd always been working on my portfolio, but I basically saved up a bunch of money so that I would be able to... Had some time. Yeah. So I think I had like six months, like salary, whatever, saved up. Yeah. And then I quit. And basically actively started working on marketing, showing my portfolio, telling anyone in the industry who would listen, like, hey, I'm taking pictures now. Like, I'm not that tech that you saw on set last week. Yeah. Yeah, that's the difficult thing. Because, like, people, like, look, they look at you, like, one way, like, hey, you're the assistant, you're the tech. So it's, like, it's kind of smart you did that. You just had to, like, draw a line in the sand be like, hey, this is what I'm doing now. Or else people kind of keep viewing your way, you that way, unfortunately. Um, yeah. who, who are kind of some of the first clients you, you were working with and like when you're first kind of starting out and trying to get your name out there as a photographer, what kind of marketing things do you feel like kind of worked best for you? So I think one of the main clients that I got early on was Refinery29. Nice. I really think that was huge for my career because I started working with them because of a email newsletter I sent like and I that was part of my like marketing effort was making a marketing list creating a newsletter to show like whatever work I happened to be doing at that time and then seeing what would happen and I mean that's still sort of the method today so you still you'll, I, you'll still do kind of a newsletter like uh, these days pretty much yeah I mean I do that in conjunction with some print promos okay how, then, how often do you usually do the newsletters kind of quarterly or this kind of when you got something or how do you kind of approach it? I try to do quarterly, but I also pay attention to like timing and like, it's, it's not like it has to be a specific date, got but it. as long as it's four times a year, I put something out and the timing feels good. Then that's what I do. Yeah. I think that's like an important aspect. It took me a long time. Like, figuring out you got to have like some type of like plan and organizational like structure into like having to like market yourself. I, I started using, I don't know if you use any of these things, like it's like a CRM, like Salesforce or like HubSpot. And I found that to be really like useful. There's like a lot of tools in there. I would like, I would say anybody listening, go check it out. Um, how do you kind of, 
how do you organize that? Cause I'm always interested in how people organize this, their client lists and how, is there like a organizational strategy or things you've kind of learned and picked up that you've kind of applied to that aspect of it? I mean, from a broad sense, the list that I put together from the start was like, here's past clients I've had. Here's a list of people I want to work with and here's all of my like industry contacts and I think I compiled those together yeah kind of put it out there but you know as the years have gone by the list has grown a lot but um I use MailChimp for newsletters and been using something called Airtable okay as a database which I find very useful it's a spreadsheet system but kind of like on steroids nice. and it's color-coded and lets you put notes and like track a lot of stuff um i don't know it helps me find things like say i have a meeting with an art buyer at an agency i can look it up and then i'll check like what promos have i sent this person okay. um I'll read my notes, which I've hopefully updated. Oh, so you'll like, if you meet someone, you'll like take notes after the meeting and stuff and that, that type of thing? Yeah, because the thing is, I'm actually kind of bad with faces and names. Oh, yeah, it's, and, a, it's a lot. Like, especially like if you meet with emailing and meeting with like tons of people every year, it's like easy. This You get busy. It's like hard to remember everybody. Yeah. So for me, if I write notes, then I'm like, oh, I'm not going to like give them a promo I already gave them or like talk about this thing that we already talked about. Like it just helps me feel like I'm going in with the best information possible. Oh, it's smart organization. I'm always, it's some I'm, it's nerdy stuff. I'm always just curious. Cause I think it's like an important thing, you know? Uh, yeah. And uh, like you say, you're kind of shooting for refinery 29 and like that, um, Looking at your website, you've done a lot of really amazing like advertising campaigns. You've done stuff for like Amazon, a bunch of other big companies. Like, how do you kind of make that transition from like you know shooting little small jobs, editorial to kind of shooting advertising? Because it's like it's it seems like a, a difficult leap to make sometimes. Because a lot of times, it feels like advertising agencies they don't want to hire you if you don't have advertising work in your book. Um, how do you kind of get your foot in the door in those type of worlds? I guess. So you're right. I feel like every part of our industry feels like a catch 22. Like when you want to shoot, like magazine people won't look at you unless you already have like a portfolio of stuff you've shot for everyone else. Yeah. And it's like, it always feels like how the heck am I supposed to get into this world? And I think for me and probably for everyone, it's like nobody, maybe some people become famous overnight but I think it's been like so many little small steps mm -hmm. that lead to you to be to the place where you are right now mm -hmm. and building relationships, I think has been a huge part. So I think to go from the editorial to advertising, one of the things that I did a bunch of in the middle were like advertorial jobs, which are those jobs that are, basically editorial magazines who you usually already have a relationship with will assign you a branded content story. Yeah. I felt like for me, those were good kind of like dipping your toe into the advertising world um, experiences. And then 
to get to the other side of like working with ad agencies and doing big commercial jobs, I think, I think having an agent really did make a difference for me Okay. In that side. I think I already had some contacts in the ad agency world just from years of like digital teching and stuff and all that. So art buyers who trusted me from being around New York city would give me a chance on something smaller. Mm -hmm. But um, I signed with this represents like, I don't know how many years ago, but basically when the, when they started and my main rep is Natalie yeah. Fleming. Yep. She has a background as an art buyer at a bunch of ad agencies. I think, was she at 72 and Sunny for a while? I yeah. Think she was, yeah. I, she was right before she started our agency. So yeah. I feel like there was a lot of handholding in terms of like understanding what a creative call is, doing a treatment, um, just understanding the language of the advertising world that I definitely didn't know on my own. And I don't think I would have known if I didn't have like an ally in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's like definitely like knowing like what to charge for. Cause there's like all these like line items uh, to the art producer. It says daily stuff. But like if you're this editorial guy and you're this used to making like whatever a thousand bucks on an editorial shoot, it's like, Oh damn, I can charge for this and that and that. And it's yeah. like, yeah, it's just having that knowledge was like, was like finding a rep. Was that something you were like actively searching out? Did you kind of meet with a lot of reps before you decided to partner with the, this is reps? Yeah, so kind of, I guess I'm sort of methodical <laughs> as I think about it. <laughs> and when I went, you know, on my like search for a rep, I definitely made a list of all the people I was interested in. I did a lot of outreach on email. I sent out a bunch of print promos to all the agencies I was interested in. And then from there, I ended up talking to about three or four. And I think. I talked a lot with all the people because they kind of treated it like dating. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a big, it's a big commitment. You know, you're, you're giving out a big percentage of your, your every, every fee. It's like, yeah, you, you got to make the right decision. So that's smart. Yeah. So I really wanted someone who understood me creatively. And I also, who, I don't know. I think I always hear horror stories of like this rep is shady and walked away with all my money. And I was like, I don't want that to happen to me. Like I spent so much like sweat and tears, like trying to get to where I am. Oh, yeah. I don't want to lose all of that. Mm -hmm. So um, with this represents, I think creatively we really had the best fit. So I felt like she and they would represent me the best. Yeah. You know? yeah. No, it seems smart. Like it's like, uh, cause like what were kind of some of the things you're looking for? Like, what do you think it was that made you go with them? Was it like some, this, their kind of approach to how they wanted to market you? Or is it, did you kind of look at like some of the other photographers that were on the roster or anything like that? Or what do you think was this kind of made you guys kind of compatible, I guess? I think I wanted someone who I felt was going to, like lead me I guess where we could be partners but I think some of the agencies I was talking to had been around for a long time and while I valued their experience I kind of didn't want to be 
in like a old school environment. I don't know how to explain it. You want, you want someone that's hungry, that's trying to build at the same time. Yeah, you don't, yeah. Not someone that's like jaded, you know? I think that that's, that's smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know, like one thing is when you're working, doing this as a living, like how do you kind of balance like the art and commerce aspect? Like, like obviously you're a creative and you have uh, things you like to shoot for your personal work, but then at the end of the day, you're trying to make a living at this. Like, do you ever feel like you need to create work that's going to attract like a certain type of client or do you just kind of shoot the work that you enjoy, kind of put it out there and hope people respond to it? Or how do you kind of balance, I guess, the art and commerce aspect of doing this for a living? I think artistically, I kind of use any of my personal time to do things that my clients don't ask me to do or that explore areas where I feel like I'm not being satisfied in the commercial world. Yeah. Because I feel like as a commercial photographer and a photographer and artist, so many different parts of the job make me happy. And I think commercially it's often the collaboration and the process and like making something great with a bunch of people and having a good time, like all of that happening. Yeah. But the result of it, depending on the creative or the client, it can be just totally random. It's like usually something you like, but maybe not something you would like put on your wall. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) For my art side, I want to make stuff that I would put on a wall and like put in a book. I think things that are precious to me and I think, I don't know, I want it to just be able to explore the things that I don't have the time to do because I think I mean so much time has already gone on since I started shooting and I only feel like I'm just beginning to like my path as a photographer definitely so you know we're all trying to constantly evolve and I think be inspired and I don't think you do that by just like shooting 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 like I love being busy but I think what's been nice about the pandemic while we don't all want to stay home forever is just having that time and space to think about oh what is it that I really want to do like what would I be doing if someone didn't assign me something um and I think that's important to reflect on all the time Mm -hmm. I think you don't really want to wake up in five years or ten years and realize like you either hate everything you just made (laughs) or like don't have something that you are proud to show. Yeah. I think for me as a being like that's important to me. So I want to continue to nurture that side, you know, wherever it goes. Yeah, definitely. It's like being excited about what you're doing. Like, like you said, you can just get busy being busy. So yeah, I kind of agree. Like it's like, I've been, I haven't really shot much since the pandemic started and I, it's, yeah, it has been good just to have the time to think about like, Hey, uh, what do you want to do creatively? Cause like, do you ever feel like this, like social media is like a weird thing where it's easy to kind of like compare yourself to like what other people are doing and things like that. Do you ever fall down those traps and things like that? Cause like I saw a lot of people like hats off to them. They were like going, they were going hard during pandemic, like shooting like big projects and like all types of stuff. Um, but yeah, like, how do you kind of view the social media aspect? Because I know you're pretty active on there, um, but it can be, sometimes I just need to turn it off myself. 
Yeah, I think I have a love-hate relationship with it because, and especially now during the pandemic, in one sense, it's like my only outlet to the outside world where I'm like, oh, it kind of feels normal. So like, it sort of makes me feel, you know, it makes me feel connected to the creative people I know, which I like. But then it's also a rabbit hole of like, just like your brain staring at things. And I think it isn't healthy to always like, I hate this feeling, but it's like, I do. I look at other photographers work and I all love something they do, but I also feel insane jealousy. Like, and I was like, it's not healthy. Nah. It's not how I want to be, but it's like stuff that happens. We're all, and I think we're, we're all sensitive artists. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's sensitive, you know? So I find it like this weird, yeah, like I said, like a love hate thing because I do enjoy seeing like what my peers and friends are doing and up to. And it's like, I do want to cheer people on Mm -hmm. great way to disseminate information. And at the same time, it's like, yeah, the more time I spend sitting, staring at a screen, the more I want to like scream and shout. So (laughs) I feel you. I feel you. Um, And you know, what kind of like what kind of shoots are you attracted to most like what kind of gets you excited like when you get the call like like i said because like looking at work at so many different things like what's like maybe like one shoot in the last year that when you got the call or when you shot it you're this like super excited or really proud of like the last thing it's probably hard because you shoot a lot but like what, what kind of Simon, simon's peak your interest most do you think um there's a lot but i think <laughs> The one I just did was for a dog food company called The Farmer's Dog. And I think only recently I've been, my dog work has sort of become part of my commercial work. Yeah. In the past, it was always just like a personal project. And I think now there's brands that actually want a bunch of pictures of dogs, which it used to like not exist as much. So that was really fun for me because I'm always happy when there's dogs on set. Um, I could just like talk about them all day. So definitely like any shoot where there's dogs or dog castings, I get pretty excited. Cause I'm like, I know I'm going to end up with a folder of dogs <laughs> or like a weird conference call talking about dogs. And I just enjoy that. Yeah. Um, no, that's exciting. It's just like taking your just whatever stuff you're interested in life and putting it into your work. Uh, yeah, because like one campaign I think you shot, it was, I don't know if it was like a company or like an organization. It's called Cloud Seven. And it was just oh, like, yeah. it was it was a cool series of portraits and like people with their dogs. Like, what, what was that kind of all about? So they're based in Berlin and they assigned me that project and I basically produced it all here. They wanted to, they're expanding their product from Europe to the US. So we did a campaign featuring like people in the New York area basically, but um, casting a variety of like all different types of people who are also kind of fancy, who have beautiful dogs and who enjoy these beautiful beds. So that was really fun because I mean. Sorry, I lost you for a second. That's all right. Now I can hear you. Yeah, we were okay. ju- yeah we were just talking about the Cloud Seven campaign you shot. It's like all that. Yeah, so I think um, one of the things that I also love is photographing people in their homes or like in workspaces, and I get really inspired by 
to me like that perfect mix of like great people in a great place. And I think from a human standpoint, I really enjoy experiencing like, I think meeting strangers and being invited into their home feels really special because it's something that we reserve for our friends and family. Mm -hmm. And then as a photographer, you often get invited into like some person's space and it feels very intimate to me. And I think I enjoy the experience a lot because I get to know people. I get to see what's going on in their world and kind of, you know, I guess the curiosity of it is exciting and just um, getting to put like a finger on like who someone is by seeing how they express themselves. is really interesting to me. Yeah, it's cool. I really like a lot of the, port- the portraits you have on there, people's spaces, because it's like not even just the people. It's like, oh, what kind of art do they have on their wall? What kind of books do they got? This, how do they, how do they got their home designed and that stuff? All those little details is what kind of. Uh, that's what I kind of enjoy looking at because you can see like, oh, you kind of get a sense of like what these people are into, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think of it like their personalities kind of like exploded into their space, yeah. and some people are like more excessive with that than others yeah. but it's fun and like with with photographing dogs i was curious and talking to you about that like i've been on a couple of shoots where we had to photograph dogs for like certain campaigns or whatever and it's always interesting like how do you approach photographing dogs like because i'm sure they're not all going to cooperate like are there like any shoots that were like more difficult than others that you kind of look back on because you you photographed a lot of dogs yeah i was like i think i've had a couple more difficult well one was i was assigned to shoot a i think mishka the talking husky for Purina, like early in my career and it was with an ad agency i was kind of nervous because i was like uh ad job blah 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 i get on the shoot and there i think it was something i learned about like ad people being very specific and the dog isn't like a, it's a YouTube star. So it's famous, like, I don't remember, eight years ago or yeah. whenever. And it's not like a trained actor dog. So the expectation of the agency and client was kind of different than what a regular dog could do. Yeah. So I think there was a bit of a challenge because I got on set and they're like, okay, the dog needs to look this way at the camera the dog's tail needs to curl in this direction. And I was like, wait a second. I'm like, I just need a pretty picture of the dog. And they're like, no, 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 no. That's not how this goes. Um, Is there like a dog handler? Like usually that kind of helps like facilitate this or how do you approach those kind of shoes? For that, the handler was the owner. So for any dog that's not like with an agency, the owner tends to be the, the handler essentially. Yeah. And they usually have the best like understanding of what the dog can do and control over the animal. And I think you kind of learn like, all right, we just kind of have to trick this dog into doing what we want it to do. Yeah. Like obviously not, they don't all understand like how to shake on command. Or- it's like a plane going over my building right now. <laughs> it's like, th- this is like thunderstorms and getting this plane going over sorry uh yeah no it's really interesting like how did because like like you were saying like 
do you still have those nerves? Like, like you mentioned, it's like an ad job. There's like a lot of pressure. Is that like something that took you a while to kind of get used to? Like you're kind of mentioning with that dog shoot, it's like a big ad job for a big company and they have certain things they want. Is that something you feel like you kind of just get better at over time just with the experience or you still kind of have those nerves sometimes? I think it's important to always be nervous. I feel like if you're not nervous, like I don't give off nervous energy. I'm pretty relaxed, I would say, especially in work and on set. But I feel like if internally you're not slightly nervous about something, then like there's no tension. There's nothing you're like, there's no risk involved. And I feel like if you get to the point where there's no risk, it's boring. Like that means you're not pushing yourself as far as you need to go. So I generally don't get nervous about ad shoots, but I do want them all to get like go smoothly like dotting those i's crossing those t's like i know like some some of those jobs like the night before i'll be like checking my equipment like 35 times like making sure i got everything i got back on this court back on this court it's just like yeah. it's like being being prepared i think that's the thing you know yeah um, and i think i think it's just like what i like about this industry is it doesn't matter how many times you've done a job they're all different, you know, even if it sounds like the same formula, it's like you get on to this shoot or that shoot and it's like, oh, that's different. And like, now I got to figure this out. And I think I enjoy problem solving. So that part of it makes me feel good. Yeah, definitely. It's just like, yeah, anytime you can walk away successful and like be proud of what you made, it's just like, all right, I did it. Let's keep it moving. Keep the train moving. Um, one cool shoot on your website, you photographed the actor Billy Porter, I believe for like Bust Magazine. It was a cool shoot and it, seemed, it was like, it seemed like a little different than what you normally do. Cause like you were kind of shooting in a studio. It was kind of more like, I think they had like some cool, like, I don't know if it was like string or something. Like it was like some cool like props or whatever. Um, how was it kind of working with him? He seemed like a real big personality. He was real kind of stylized. I really, what's yeah. That? yeah. I said, he's amazing. He's like my <laughs> idol. Um, that was really fun because I think, you know, when someone comes up with an assignment, they're like, hey, you want to shoot this person? I'm like, hell yes, I want to. Like, he's awesome. Yeah. So I kind of had, you know, I guess the way my brain works is I generally have these ideas floating around in my head based on like something random I saw. And we did use string in that um, photo shoot, but I think some of the inspiration was kind of like webs and threads and string and different like kind of things I had seen around the world and was like the string was that like purely like your idea or was it like the art director at the magazine kind of putting their input on it or they kind of just let you kind of do your thing pretty much with that so the nice thing about bust is they just kind of let me do like we did have to get it approved by his PR company but I proposed the idea and gave a bunch of mock-ups of like this is what we're gonna do and then um they were like sure Sounds like fun. And so we did, he has a stylist, he, you know, who styles him for all those crazy red carpet looks. And he worked on that shoot with us. So we worked in conjunction with him to make sure that our set design worked with the looks. Um, And I did, I worked with uh, Marianne Morvan, who's 
a set designer and prop stylist. Okay. I worked on with a dog project called Cone of Shame that I did in the past two years. And her look is more like abstract, I would say. She's really good at kind of executing um, anything <laughs> like that you wouldn't always imagine like existed before. Yeah. And her background was like a, as a costume designer originally. So she has that kind of theatrical ability. Um, so I have fun doing that kind of stuff. I don't do that on every shoot, but yeah, it was when cool. I, Cause I was going to ask you, it's cause I think you shot it in a studio and looking at a lot of your work, it was like, it seems like you're a lot of it's like on location. So is it, you kind of, you enjoy kind of those challenges with kind of doing something different from the daily stuff you kind of do pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, for sure. I have more location work than studio work, but I do find the studio environment to be like this fun challenge because it is what we were talking about earlier, like creating something out of nothing. And in some sense, I'm like, it makes it more like there's more pressure because it's like, oh, what in the world am I going to make out of this? Like, it better be good. <laughs> and so that part of it I think is fun because it's like you're just kind of mixing up ingredients and putting them out there. Yeah, no, I loved it. It came out great. And, uh, you know, another thing I was kind of curious about, like, do you feel like you need to like pay attention to like photographic trends and like things like that? Because like, you know, especially the food stuff, it seems like it changes a lot. Like some <laughs> magazines will go like daylight, that'll be the trend. And then it'll be like hard flash is like the trend. And it kind of bounces around from magazine to magazine year to year. Like, do you even like pay attention to that stuff? Or do you kind of just kind of do your thing and just kind of don't worry about it? I mean, I think it's impossible to ignore like what you see. And sometimes I feel like there's two ways to approach photography. You can live in a vacuum and kind of see what comes out of yourself yep. with devoid of any like input, or you can look at things, which I guess we all have to, and take little bits and pieces of what is working and kind of put that into your own work. Um, I'm kind of a mix of those things. I really, sometimes I don't want to see too much of everyone else's work because I find once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yep. And it becomes harder to create something that's not somehow based on everything you've seen. And at the same time, I think it's good <laughs> to be inspired by visuals. So I tend to try to look for inspiration in like nature or movies or paintings. And I try to go a little out of the photo field so I don't feel like I'm just like too much yeah. staring at other photographers' work. Definitely. But at the same time, I just think there's only like kind of soft light and hard light like it's like no matter how long we work in this industry the lighting and like the looks kind of they've never really they have changed but they haven't yeah and I think in that sense you know you just kind of create like I want to create what I want to create mm -hmm. um, I don't think you should follow trends I think it's a it's a bad way to like approach business i feel like you have to follow like what you love doing yeah and then put it out there and you know 
let people come to you. Yeah, I think like the main thing is like, if you got in this business to make money, you're in the wrong business. So you might as well just make the work you like, you know, that's how I kind of view it. It's like, yeah. you might as well just make the stuff you want. And uh, speaking of stuff you like making, you kind of mentioned it earlier, uh, your project Kona Shame. Uh, how did that kind of come about? Because like you kind of mentioned a little bit, you're working with the, uh, what's, what do you, it's like a prop stylist. And you guys made yeah. these really cool like, co like cones. Uh, how did that kind of start? So that started as like one of my personal projects that was sitting in the back of my head. <laughs> And I was like, oh, which project should I work on now? And I was like, I think this one, like, I can execute sooner than all these other ones that might take, like, five or ten years to do. Yeah. So I decided to focus on that project. I made a bunch of mood boards. Um, then I approached Marianne Morvan, the set designer, because we had just worked on an editorial shoot together. And I was like, hey, I got this random idea. <laughs> like, I know you haven't worked with animals, but do you think you'd want to do this? And she's like, sure. So I think it was, you know, fun for both of us. And we did a lot of, like, back and forth mood boarding to establish the visual language. Um, yeah, and it was great. Which one was the toughest? Because there's like all these different types of dogs. Like one, it looks like, I don't know, it almost looks like it's like cotton candy around his head. Another one is like straw, like out of these series. I'll, I'll link it so people can go check it out. So basically it's just like dogs, like like cones, like as if they like a dog with this had surgery, but they're like creative cones. Like which out of these like ones you got on your website, which one was like the most difficult to execute, you think? Mm, I think, I think... One of the first ones we did, and I don't want to call out this one dog, but I feel bad, <laughs> but we photographed this adorable pit bull named Lux, and she was very, very high energy because basically when I do a dog casting, I'll do a mix of untrained and trained dogs and just kind of, you know, we'll cast them based on their look or face, like, since it's not an ad shoot, I can work with ones that haven't been in photo shoots before yeah um Lux was just like running the whole time and I think sometimes when you're on a shoot especially in a studio and you are trying to get a dog to stay in a very specific spot like usually the last thing they want to do is go in that spot yeah so I was chasing Lux like the whole time and then like she was like jumping in the air and it's just like the speed and like everything that was going on, it can feel very chaotic. Um, so we did get her to like sit for a couple of shots, but I feel like the few frames we got were like those few frames and everything else is like chaos. <laughs> yeah, it seems exciting. And like with these personal projects, like once you kind of complete them, like, will you kind of use them, like, as a promo piece? And have you had, like, any luck, like, like getting commercial work or editorial work from these personal projects you do sometimes? Yeah. I mean, this one was quite successful, I would say. I did send out promos. Um, it showed in Photoville, which I think also helped it get a bunch of press. And then from that, I did get booked on a few commercial shoots that involve dogs nice. and like animals so it's like oh that never happens <laughs> like direct translation to work it's nice 
that's awesome it's like you're you're taking your love of dogs and just incorporating it with your career that's the dream you know yeah um i guess like wrap up like i guess what's next for you like anything i know it's kind of crazy times right now like like i don't know i don't know about you but i I feel weird because i mostly shoot people so i've been having this struggle like i haven't really shot anything but i'm still in this weird dilemma of like you don't want to get people infected you don't want to be interacting it's like it's tough like i don't even know what to do right now but uh, what what's next for you like anything on your bucket list moving forward or anything like that i mean i agree with you it's a weird time and i think um for commercial shoots editorial there's a lot of like I want to make sure I'm safe. I want to make sure my crew are safe. I want to make sure the subjects are safe. Like, since I do so much stuff in people's homes, I'm like, I don't want to do that unless I feel comfortable. Yeah. Like that we all feel comfortable doing this. Yeah. So it is a bit of a dilemma because I, I'm itching to get back. Me too. I'm like, I'm like going through withdrawals. I'm like, I want to get back in the game, but at the same time, it's like, I I just got patient. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I am working on a, book project that is about dogs all right that's actually you know something I was in the works before the pandemic and then when everybody shut down we kind of we've been doing research but haven't done any of the photo shoots okay Um, but we're just about to start doing shoots that I think I'm just going to do anything that's outdoors that can be socially distanced Mm mm-hmm and then kind of hopefully for anything interior wait till things are safer and with the book is there is that something you're gonna like self-publish or put on your website or like what do you kind of envision with that aspect of it so the book i'm doing with um foreign sons which is this dog and lifestyle brand that i've worked with for a long time and i guess they're like a dog and lifestyle magazine based out of australia um we're working with a publisher called Hoxton Mini Press, who's in England, I believe. Yeah. And I think that'll be fun. It's going to hopefully be distributed all over the world. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's exciting. Well, Winnie, I can't thank you enough. It was a real pleasure talking to you. It's like uh, always just kind of interesting hearing about what people are doing, how they're kind of dealing with these weird times we're in. Um, but I guess for people listening, if they want to check out more of your work, where's the best place for them to go? So you can go to my website, which is winniewow.com. I, lo- I love your I love your, your website. It's great. It's like a phonetic spelling of how, like my middle initials W. Yeah. So Winnie W L. And then um, my Instagram handle is winniewow also. Perfect. I'll link it and people can go check it out. And thanks so much, Winnie. Thank you. Take care. All right. You too. Later. So there you have it. That was the Winnie Ow interview. I just want to thank Winnie so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure talking to her. Um, really amazing photographer. Uh, this shoots so much interesting stuff from portraiture to interiors and food and much, much more. So definitely go check out Winnie's website at winniewow.com as well as her Instagram at winniewow. Uh, lots of cool stuff up there and different projects. And she always, She's always updating it. So definitely go give her a follow. And as always, I'll be posting uh, new podcasts every week on iTunes, Spotify, as well as our new YouTube page at The Photo Banter. Um, so definitely go give, give a follow to that and check it out. And yeah, thanks so much for listening and take care.